Welcome to the Mind Your Leadership Podcast. I'm Karen Soup. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Today, I will speak with Deb Crow. Deb is an executive and business coach. She has more than 31 years of global experience in top Fortune 500 companies in Canada, the United States, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Leading and coaching C-suite leaders, executive and senior management professionals and their teams. She's the host of the podcast, Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership. So it will be really interesting. Stay with us. Debbie, it's great having you here. I'm really looking forward to continue our conversation from your podcast, right? Absolutely. We, we had such a great conversation and it's lovely to be aligned with someone on the other side of the world. It's really amazing. So I will say a few words about you. That you are the host of the podcast called Imperfection, the heart-centered leadership and much more. However, I do want to ask you, what does it mean for you to be a heart-centered leadership? There is a good question. It's so fun being on the other side of the mic. You know, for me, it takes me back to my 20s. I, I lost my dad in my second year of university and I was 21. And one of the last things that my dad shared with me before he passed away is that kindness is always welcomed. It may not be received, but I always have that ability to control who I am and what I do. And I grew up really quickly at 21 because I had no choice. So the next three years, I modeled being a heart-centered leader, but I wasn't on the receiving end of being fostered or mentored or led by heart-centered leaders. And the beauty that came out of that lesson and experience from age 21 to 24 was that I needed to be my own boss. And it was a male mentor executive who said to me, you have not had the female bosses that you deserve. You're a leader. Nobody's fostering you. Go be your own. And here I am 31 years later. Wow. I really have shivering in all my body. It's amazing. So you said you didn't have the example of what you wanted to be. So it's interesting how you could be this leader, if you were in an environment that didn't speak this language and didn't lead from this place, it's really challenging, no? It was. And, and now that I've been coaching for 11 years, I went into the medical world as a community-based case manager. So I saw the worst of human beings in trauma, loss, injury, the whole gamut, kids, pediatrics, and adults. And I would get them back to life, get them back to work, or sometimes if it was catastrophic, which was most of my caseload, I'd get them back to some form of autonomy. Hmm. But going back to what my dad anchored in my heart, I cannot control how other people treat me, but I can control my heart, my mind, my soul, 
And I'm not going to dim my light because someone doesn't like it. It's taken me decades to hone that, refine that, accept it. And part of evolving as a leader for me is five years ago when I turned 50, I decided to become a yoga teacher because similar to you, I wanted to tap into mindfulness and see how I could align it And again, bring my leadership to another level. And that's where I created the heart-centered leadership model only to witness and self-audit that I've been living that journey since the day my dad passed. So really a lot of, you know, introspection and insight, but wisdom that I learned, Karen, just unbelievable. Amazing. You're saying a lot of uh, amazing thing here. Let's start with this is actually what being mindful means. You know, I always, when I facilitate courses, I tell them, you know, the negative part of being mindful that we need to take accountability of for our lives, right? We can't blame others. So this is what you're saying. I needed to take ownership on what I believed in and what I wanted to achieve and deciding how to react to each and every situation. And that's not easy. I think this is a main, a crucial challenge. However, you know, I think people are listening to us and say, okay, what does it mean for me if I want to tomorrow morning to start evolve toward being a centered leader? What does it mean for me practically? What should I do differently? Do you have an exa- specific example for leaders? I know that you work a lot with leaders and managers. Do you have an example that they can say, okay, I understand what does it mean in the day to day tomorrow morning? I can do something different. My best and repetitive conversation as an executive coach is. The only way to get vision, to build a strategy is to have clarity and clarity cannot be found or defined or executed until you have equanimity. I love that word. The ability to have consistent mental calmness and composure. And a lot of executives say, how do I, how do I get there? Silence is their superpower. You have to get silent. You have to be calm. You have to quiet the mind. Not everyone enjoys meditation. And for my executives that say, I can't do this for five minutes, they land up doing it for an hour and and, and they fight me on it. And they say, but this is just common sense. And I'm like, you are so right. But where you're not implementing common sense is that it's not your common practice. So when they realize that this activity of daily living is so crucial to their leadership and being mindful and having that ability to embrace their own failure, falling forward and learning from it and showing their team, you know, it's time to take off the cape. There's no leader out there that's a superhero. There's no leader that's perfect, which is why I love talking about imperfection. But when you're mindful about it and you can have a laugh at yourself, I think that further builds trust and rapport with your team because you're approachable and you're open-minded. And to me, I think that is one of the best ways to authentically, transparently show that you're a heart-centered leader. Amazing. So you're speaking about being able to be silent and it's really challenging for us, right? Because we learned that we need to know the answers to show that we're smart. Our ego wants the tension, right? And now the new leadership comes and say, okay, no, 
Be present. People will feel your presence, right? From a silent place, from a centered place. And then people will want even more to follow you because they will feel from where you're acting, you know, because when there is a dissonance between what you're saying and from where you're saying it, people can feel the gap, right? So you're talking they about can, alignment. They can feel it. And I had a CEO say to me 11 years ago when I started, you know, I think the heart-centered thing that you're doing, Deb, is really lovely, but it doesn't belong in leadership. And it was one of the best conversations and the foundation to my practice, because she said to me, if people like you, they're not going to respect you. Mm -hmm. And what a conversation and how many offshoots of topics we could talk about. And I went back to what we were just talking about. I can control how I listen to that, how I respond, how I processed it. And it land up being such a transformational moment. It had nothing to do with me or the conversation. It was remnants of her past that no one ever gave her the ability to share. You know, but when you said it, it resonated within me that when I work with the managers and executives, you know, there's a tendency, each and every one of us want to be loved, right? When we're talking about heart-centered leadership. So we are looking to be connected, to feel belonging and to be loved. And I think a lot of people are so afraid to show up, to be authentic and to say their viewpoint because they don't want to be rejected. So they're going to the pleasing road, right? The pleasing others, but then they have the love kind of love because it's not a real love of others instead of having their own love. So I think in order to be mindful and anchored and connect to ourselves, we first of all need to connect to our heart, to ourselves. And sometimes it means not to please others. And once we will love ourselves, other people will love us. But if we will look outside, we will continue looking. What do you think about it? I think self-awareness is the foundation to our being. And, and when you're self-aware, you're able to have self-love. When you have self-love, you instill self-care into your own daily practice, whatever that means to you, whether you're on a yoga mat, sitting in a chair, out in nature, walking, we all embrace it in different modalities and that's okay. I think the message that's important here is there's no, there's no cookie cutter answer. Mm -hmm. It's personal. And I think there's always been a place for this in business acumen. And I know one of my passions, and I think you align with me on this, is we need to break down that wall of resistance. And this type of leadership, heart-centered leadership, mindful leadership, it needs to be taught in business schools. It needs to be part of MBAs. I do not know why it isn't. I'm hoping you and I change that collectively around the globe. And more and more educational institutions are starting to see this. It saddens me, but it makes me happy at the same time that the world had to literally fall into a global pandemic for us to witness that we needed such a change. I think the earth just finally got angry enough to say, okay, things are going to change. And I look at the world now and you and I speaking, I'm in Canada, you're in Israel. There is no borders in business. Mm -hmm. There really isn't diversity and inclusion, but through history and, and other events around the world, we've landed where we have and leadership really, it's the mood point for all of it. Wow. I so couldn't agree more. I think the coronavirus transformation 
is transforming the world right now. Huh? When I was asking one of my lecture about what do I think leaders need to learn from the coronavirus transformation, I said to pause and listen to themselves and fine-tune their path and products and services. So I, this is what I think coronavirus made us stop and pause because, you know, as a leaders, we don't have time to stop, right? We're busy, busy, busy. And this is also what we taught in the university, right? That we need to be in the doing mode. However, this is the new leadership, the ability to pause and be in the being mode and to hold this tension between the doing mode and being mode. And then we can show up fully and really listen and really bring value to the world. I see you agree with it. Oh, I, I so agree with it because when we're busy, we're not intentional. Mm-hmm. When we use the word busy or sorry or just, there are three words. I always coach my executives to say, I want you to pack those three words up and put them out with the trash. You're not sorry. You're not just, you're not busy. If we cannot be intentional and also take time to be, we're not fostering or evolving as human beings, let alone leaders. Amazing. Debbie, you're talking about in your podcast about imperfection. And, you know, I'm not sure everybody, all our listeners understand what does it mean, imperfection. So do you have any example, interesting example from your personal life or from working with leaders? What does it mean to show up imperfectly? Imperfectly is allowing yourself to be with no conditions, just unconditional worth and worthiness, allowing your voice to to be what it needs to be. But when we're impatient or we don't say or behave or do what we normally would do because life happens, we all have stress and trauma and we misconstrue information because we have so much of it being thrown at us every single day through media, et cetera, in our lives, it's okay to fail. It's okay to yell. It's okay to make a mistake. The word sorry is allowed to be used in the context when you need to exude from your heart to say, I really didn't mean to be that way or act that way or say that way. Or how many times have we all said, but that isn't what I was saying. Our message and our tone, if they're not aligned, people misconstrue that. So, and I think it's even harder now that we're all on Zoom. And it's even more important for leaders to be cognizant to how they're handling themselves in a nonverbal way, their body language, their facial expression, where their eyes are looking. And it's all the things that we took for granted before sitting in a boardroom that we have to be more cognizant to now because it's become our normal. It's amazing. It was that question I wanted to ask you and like I feel in synchronity here. I wanted to ask you, how do you think leaders need to adopt to the new normal of the hybrid workplaces? What can they do in order to engage the employees in this new reality? Because it requires new skills. They need to model the behavior. They need to share the fear. They need to share the trust. They need to align horizontally with their peers, right down to frontline workers, to their executive teams. It's all encompassing for all sectors. There is that level of anxiety to return, especially now that we now have this new variant. They have to model good, bad, and indifferent because when they can show their cognitive and emotional value, then it's easy for their employees or whoever their direct reports 
to feel that they're seen, heard and valued and okay, he or she is thinking like me too. And most of my leaders that are moving to the hybrid, it's just started here in Canada and the US. Mm -hmm. And they're just taking it day by day. They're going slowly and methodically. I have one company that I'm working with that had these beautiful lanyards made and they have three different colors and three different words so that if you walk up to me and I've got the red, you'll understand that I'm, I'm a little bit anxious to be back to work. Social distancing is really important to me. I have both my double vaccinations, but there's a little bit of apprehension. So that verbal expression doesn't have to be repetitive because they have these three. It's like a stoplight. They have red, yellow and green. Oh, nice. Like so when I walk in the boardroom and I have green, you know that I'm double vaxxed. I'm comfortable to be here. Let's social distance. If I'm yellow, I'm a little bit weary. And if I'm red, that's code red. I'm really nervous to be here. And I thought, what a simplistic, beautiful visual for this company to have and their hybrid workflow return to work. It's working beautifully because somebody sat in HR with the CEO and said, here's a great idea. What do you think? Uh And it's working wonderful. And they started in September and they've had no hiccups, no, nobody feeling uneasy. But again, how simple it is to just go back to the basics, Karen, and do what we need to do to make people feel comfortable. That's amazing. You know, it reminds me there's a, a book called Mindful Communication that she talks about the traffic light also in a conversation, again, with the red, green, and the yellow. And I want to delve into the yellow aspect because it's interesting. In her book, she talks about the yellow being in the uncertainty area that we don't feel comfortable, we don't know the answers. And I think this is the place that most of us are nowadays in the uncertainty area, don't know all the answers. And and I think this is the place that we need to evolve as individuals and as leaders, the ability to be present with Anon. You know, I'm starting to work with a company right now and there's a lot to do there. And a, a big part of my work there is to to hold this space. And, you know, in my research, I call it the dialogue space to create the dialogue space and to hold the uncertainty and to be okay with that, with not knowing. So, you know, as we started the process, I told the CEO, look, I don't know what will emerge. We need to understand that thing will unfold during the process and it's okay. It's part of the process. And I understand that this is crucial part of my job is to hold this uncertainty and to be okay with it. And once one leader is okay with it, it resonates for the others, right? What do you think about it? Oh, I agree. And and again, it goes back to what we were talking to earlier. Leaders are allowed to be in the yellow. Leaders can be in the yellow and say, I see you, I hear you, I understand. And for some leaders, this is visceral. It's deep. Mm -hmm. It's not a weakness. It's an honest level of transparency. And this is what creates the space for real transformation and for real solution and creative solution to emerge. Otherwise, we do more of the same, but doesn't resonate with what's happening in the moment. Think about it in this context. The yellow space allows the leader to foster heart-centered leadership to say, you can stay with me in the yellow. I'm happy you're comfortable in the green. It's okay that you're in the red. And all three 
really foster that psychological space. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Which which really is is the hybrid to fostering a vital, healthy culture. That's right. Debbie, before we wrap up, is there any question that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about? You know, I'm just, I'm grateful that my podcast has taken me far and wide. And I just have to give credit back to Addie again, because our conversation, she said, you need to meet Karen. And I love that we're in the same kind of lane doing what we're doing as professionals in two different languages, both a leadership language and and me in English and you in your language. And I just think it's beautiful. And I, I look forward to continued conversation with you and just, just know from my heart across the globe that it just, it warms my heart to see the work that you're doing and just know how important it is. And I'm sure as we carry on dialoguing over the years to come, there's going to be more questions and more insight and um, just really grateful for you, Karen. Wow, great. I'm really happy that we met. And, you know, I was really looking forward to this conversation because it's exciting. It's exciting to speak from the heart, right? And to connect with people and to be passionate about what we're doing. And this is my wish that each and every one will be passionate with what he's doing and will bring his present and present to the world, you know. I would love to share my heart-centered leadership poster with you. It's now in nine languages, and I'm hoping by the end of the year, which is only a few weeks away, uh, it'll be in 12, because I think heart-centered leadership is a universal language, Mm -hmm. and having that poster in several languages, I want to break down that barrier between leadership and diversity and inclusion. So I want you to jump on that bandwagon with me, and, and let's just keep doing what we're doing. That's for sure. would be my pleasure, and it is my pleasure. So Debbie, before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where can they reach you? DebCrow.com and Crow has an E on the end. And all of my information's there. There's links to the podcast, interviews that I've done uh, with people like yourself, and some great articles that I've written on the power of heart-centered leadership. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.